The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Uh, if you guys notice, notice I shaved my beard, at least most of it off, and there was a couple reasons on that. I, I, I kind of thought I was just going to let it ride for a while. I was like, man, I'm getting a jump on the winter beard, so like people start theirs. Mine was already like coming along, um, but it's felt like got to be time. There's a few reasons, and but the top three I was thinking about this week is one happened. I came up here on, I think it was Wednesday. And we got the carpet clean. We're doing some work up here for one of our kids' spaces. And I didn't have a key to the administration building. And if you've ever been by here during the week, there's nobody here. There's like one car. There's one person in the office. It's this woman. She's really sweet. And she's the administrator of this, of this campus. And I go to the door, and I, I knock on the door because the, the buzzer is broken. And I just hear like, who is it? I'm like, hey, it's, you know, it's Jesse. I'm from one of the, the churches on campus here. And she says, who? I'm like, Jesse, um, I try to explain who we are. And she opens the door, but only like this much. And she kind of looks, and I have my hat on and my glasses. And I kind of start to open it. And very quickly, she kind of stands and blocks the door. And I'm like, hey, it's me. I take off my stuff. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just a little nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, you were nervous of me? So that's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, and I had to, you know, so fortunately, I cleared up who I was, and, and uh, she, she let me in. So I was like, man, maybe, maybe it's just too much. Uh, I found a French fry in it earlier in the week, too. That was like 50-50. I'm like, oh, cool, bonus fry. Um, but I had a person at work call me, like, man, you look like a bear person. I'm like, what, is a, what does a bear person even mean? I don't know if I want to be a bear person. Anyway. So I shaved my beard, and if you've had these, you know, let it go for a little while, and this could be any, your hair, your beard, whatever, body hair, whatever you have going on, and you let it go too long, it takes a while to get off. My, like, my little electric razor was just groaning and clogging up, and it just did not want to do the battery died. I was about halfway done. I'm like, oh, man, this is no good. And I get done, and I, and I, and I go downstairs, and I, my family's kind of been saying, like, Dad, maybe it's time to, like, take it down a few notches, bring that thing, dial it back. I expected them to be so proud, and like all my family, every one of them said, "Wow, you look weird." <laughs> I'm like, "You guys asked me to do this." One of them, I won't even mention their names. Like, Dad, your eyes look so big. You look like a Snapchat filter. <laughs> I won't mention the names, Cash. That was that was not kind. Um, but anything in life, right? So a beard, not a big deal. It'll grow, take it off, come back again. But when we let things go too long, that, that happens. It can be difficult to change, right? That could be your body, your mind, again, your, your beard, your, your job. And so when you do something for so long, it's more difficult to get out of it. It's more work. And, and sometimes you get through these changes, and people don't respond to you the way you'd hope them to, right? Like you're thinking, man, I just went through this revolutionary process in my own life and it was super meaningful and I have new direction and, and you're expecting the people to be excited like oh that's weird you're gonna do that and you're like oh man that kind of hurts hurts your hurts your feelings and and it, it takes effort along the way if we try to get on the track sooner than later of where you want to be so if I want to be here it's 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 good to start that process versus all of a sudden sort of spiking up to it or or down to it wherever you're you're going to maintain that sort of relationship, those, that uh, career, those goals, the, the, the spirituality of your life, the way you lead your family, you kind of have to start, and, and upkeep is always easier, right? It's exercise. If you, if you exercise often, you exercise our bodies, 
It works better when we exercise the next time. If you let it go for a long time, it hurts really bad the next few days when you come back. This is our minds. This is why it's good to read. And you see people who do crossword puzzles and Sudoku and, and all these kind of games. Let's keep the mind going. Because if you let it go for too long and at some point, it's hard to catch up on some of those things. When you're younger, it feels easier. But as you get older and move through life, it's harder just to cram it in like the night before like you used to and catch up on, on your well-being. I think most of us can identify that. We're like, man, I should take better care of my body. I need to really like, you know, be mindful of what I'm, I'm putting into my mind and how I exercise it and continue to grow. But what about our souls? What about that, that dimension of us that's, that's not physical? It's a spiritual element to our life. And I think most of us, wherever you come from, whatever your belief in is of God, most people have a sense, yeah, I think there's probably a little more than just flesh and blood in here. It's a little more than just muscle and tissue and sinew and and, and it, there's something else happening. And that's our soul. And the Bible talks about this, this, this other dimension of our, of our being. That's, it's all important. Our minds are important. Our bodies are important. Our soul is important. And so we don't just leave our bodies behind. We have to care for them. That's been given to us. That's a, a gift. Our minds are a gift. We love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's, it's this oneness that you want to bring along. But for most of us, because of what you look in the mirror... We see this, and we can think about this, but what about that other element of ourselves, the soul? And, and that's a massive conversation. I think we can spend you know, a lifetime unpacking that, but there's a, there's a couple of verses I want to read today, and there's some stories about Jesus that, to me, speak to soul care. We think of soul care, who you are in relationship to God the Father. And, and there's, this, there's this repetitive sort of practice of Jesus that we'll look at that I think we can learn a lot from. It's really just one thing. And I'll read this, this out of Luke 5 right now. We'll read a few passages. <clears throat> Luke 5, uh, about 16. But the news about Jesus spread all the more. So this is early in the Gospels. And if you know anything about Jesus, he had, he's kind of coming out. He's doing some miracles. People are on to him. The news about Jesus spread all the more. And great crowds came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. So he had healed one person. Like, wow, that guy can do that. Let's go track him down. So all these crowds are coming. Great crowds came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. Verse 16, yet he frequently withdrew to a lonely place to pray. Sometimes that reads wilderness or to solitude to pray. He said, yet he did this. There were great crowds, tremendous need. People needed to hear the gospel. People were sick. They needed him. They needed to be healed. And despite that, yet that, he took time off. He withdrew to the wilderness. He withdrew to solitude to a lonely place to pray, to be with the Father. And it doesn't just say, because I think some of us have gotten in tune, like we need rest. We all know we need rest. We need time off to check out. And it doesn't say he just checked out, like, and he, all these crowds are coming, and they were sick, and they needed to hear him. So he took off on vacation, and he sat by a pool in, in Palm Springs and did nothing. He withdrew to a lonely place to pray, to connect with his Father, to care for his soul, to keep himself fresh early on in the Gospels to what he was supposed to be doing. John 7 says this, therefore Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, for you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. So he's, so he's going through these this lessons with his disciples, like heavy stuff about himself. And he says this, you go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. So this festival's in Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem were kind of getting on to him. He was afraid if he showed up and, and, and was too public, he'd be, you know, he'd be taken away and arrested. He said, my time's not, it's not my time yet. And he sends them on, on their way um, 
to Jerusalem from Galilee. And he says, after this, however, after his brothers had left for this festival, he went there also, not publicly, but in secret. And now at this, this festival, Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? And I love that he's discerning this situation. And we think about, I don't have a map today, but from Galilee to Jerusalem, uh, it's a long way. It's about 90 miles. It's 90 miles. And they're all going. Everyone's going to go. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to stay back. I'm going I'm to take some time just to kind of do this on my own and let some things play out. I'm going to separate myself from the scene, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a 90-mile prayer walk. And he just needs that time alone. And he goes off, and, and he lets these things go, and he has this ample time, 90 miles. Now, he could have walked most of the way with these guys and sort of snuck around and then ducked out at the end, but he's like, I'm going to take some time. And, yeah, there was a lot of stuff to do, but I'm going to be by myself right here. Did he need to spend time with his disciples and teach them and for people to learn from him? Yeah. He's like, now I'm going to do this one on my own. Mark 1 says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, the brother, his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. And then we kind of glance over that. But I almost picture Jesus just out and it's like he's just walking. As Jesus walked, like he's just cruising this lake. And he's listening to the Father. He's in communication with, with Father God. And when he sees these people, it's almost like, oh, yeah, there's the one. He's already in tune. That evening, again, Mark 1, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Huge scene going on around Jesus. Healing, demons. It's this big kind of spiritual circus. People are checking him out. There's crowds. But very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, nearby villages, so I can preach there also. And again, he, he peels away in the midst of really important, busy, spiritual God, even God-ordained stuff, to get away. And he got up before it was light. He's like, all right, I gotta, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to make some time before the people see me, I'm going to carve out some space. I'm going to go up, get up early, and I'm going to go do this because I need this time with, with God. Because it was that important, because it was that critical to him. And the disciples come to him, and, and some of us can relate to this. I think probably, to some extent, moms probably feel like this a lot. Everyone's looking for you. Like, where were you for like two minutes? The whole household's like falling apart. Right? Now, some of us feel like that at work or maybe in our you know, friend circles or family circles. You're just trying to disconnect for like a few minutes, and everyone's hitting the, the panic button. Everyone's looking for you. Right? This is what these guys are coming to Jesus with. And he's like, all right, well, no problem. Let's, let's go somewhere else. And he knew when it was okay to sort of separate from these, these really also valid needs. Matthew 14 says this, bring them here to me as he directed people to sit down on the grass. So this is this scene. There's 5,000 men and, and a bunch of women and children. They've been listening to Jesus. Most of us know this story. There's like they have no food. And Jesus is like, all right, what do we have? Well, we've got some loaves and fish. So they take five loaves and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he gives thanks. He breaks the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples. The disciples give them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up tall basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Awesome miracle, one of the most well-known miracles in, in the text. It's told multiple times, multiple writers talk about it, like this championship sort of moment. Right after this, 
He feeds all these people. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Jesus gets alone to pray. Awesome stuff happening. More stuff to do. It's like, I need to, I need to get up to the mountaintop. I need to connect with, with God. And after he dismisses them, he goes up to pray, and the, and the disciples are on the boat, and there's this, this storm coming up, and we know the story. Jesus eventually you know, walks on, on water. But he, shortly before dawn, he goes out to him. But he spends all night, and the disciples are going through it. Man, he's like, I, I got to be with God. And something awesome just happened, this huge miracle. And like the first thing, he's like, all right, I got to get these people out of here, and I got to go connect with the Father. And his friends are in a storm, but he's like, I can't rush to that right now. I, I, I need this time alone. Luke 22, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw beyond them, kneeled down, and prayed. And he begins to pour himself out to God. And he comes back to the disciples, and this is real close to his crucifixion. They're exhausted. They've gone through this journey with him. He said, why are you guys sleeping? You should be praying. He said, get up and pray so you do not fall into temptation. And there's this message in this part. It's like, man, stay connected and you'll be stronger. Stay connected to God and you'll be stronger. When you let that slide, it's going to be harder for you. Mark 6 says this, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And now he leads his disciples, like, man, I know there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of people who need us. Come with me. Let's go to a quiet place and get some rest. And Mark talks about this multiple times, and this, this is all throughout the, the Gospels. Jesus pulling, pulling away. And Mark's a short book. It's the shortest gospel, kind of cuts to the chase. Uh, most people would understand this as Peter's story. It's just a little faster, life, death, resurrection. Gospel of Mark skips the Christmas story. Like, the, the biggest holiday of our lives, Mark said, ah, let's leave that out. We don't need the Christmas story. But you know what we do need? A bunch of accounts of Jesus withdrawing by himself to pray. Because that's, that's important. That's what people are going to need to see for generations and generations, and the church is going to need emphasis on that. Yeah, the nativity is great. We need that. I, I love the Christmas story. But in Mark's mind, like, yeah, 50-50, the nativity scene will end up in the mall and whatever. A bunch of people will come on Christmas. It won't matter. But what will matter is, is, is modeling our, our Lord Jesus in the way he can detach and spend time with his, his father. And Jesus breaks away again and again, time alone to be with his dad, to be with God. He made sure to get that stuff in. Luke 5 says this, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, make me clean. Put his hand on him, touched him, I'll make you clean. Immediately leprosy departed from him. He charged the man, go and tell no one, make your offering to the priest. And his fame began to grow about Jesus' healing, and it says in verse 16, he withdrew himself to the wilderness and prayed. Again, life is picking up. Jesus is, is getting famous. People need him. There's work to, be do, work to be done. He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He went away to a lonely place, to solitude, and prayed because he longed for his father. He longed for his father. Dallas Willard, just great writer, theologian, author, says this, if God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward being. So if God is who your soul desires, I believe everyone, everyone's soul desires 
God, even if you know it or not, some of us are more in tune with that. Your soul desires God. And he will become the pole star of our inward being, meaning the rest of our lives will orient around, around him, around God, around time with him. Jesus had work to do, but he stopped because time with his father was that important. His soul needed recharging, even after the good things, even after the, the hard things. It's like, I got to go and recharge. I got to be with God. Other stuff can wait. I also believe he would take a break. He wanted to recharge his soul and connect with God and, and hear the next steps. But I think he also, after something happened, like those big miracles, he would go and thank God. Man, thank you, Father. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you for, for helping that work out. And there's gratitude. Other stuff can wait. Prayer is the work. St. Vincent, Vincent de Sales says this, Half an hour meditation each day is essential, except when you're busy. Then a full hour is needed. And this is a bishop back in the 1600s. We all think we're busier now than we ever have been. Everyone thinks that. People in generations from now will think that. Oh, yeah, but they didn't know what it was like to be so busy. This guy's in the 1600s. I think, what do those people do back then? They had nothing to do. But man, he's relating to this life fills in. Half hour meditation, half hour prayer each day is essential, except when you're busy, then a full hour is needed. And it's preparing for the rest of that stuff. And I'm for rest and checking out, and sometimes we need time, right? But not every spa trip, not every surf trip, not every golf or Palm Springs, whatever those things are, those are good things. But it takes intentionality for that to, to, be, to, to rest and recharge your soul. Jesus didn't just escape to relax. He escaped to connect with God, to talk to God. This is essential in, the, in, the, in Christian life. And some of us understand that. Many of us probably don't. I don't know how to talk to God. I'm afraid to be alone with that guy. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what he's going to say to me. What if he said something? That's going to be scary. That's essential. Jesus, walking the, through the Gospels, he's connecting with God. Like, this is like the big stones that go in the bottom. Getting time away with God. Maybe that's a couple minutes for you. Maybe that's 30 seconds. Like, I'm going to take some intentional time. We don't have to go into the wilderness. You can find a corner of your house, a, a beach, your backyard. Take five minutes. Like, all right, I'm just going to try to do this. And if you've been doing that forever, maybe you should try to, try to do a little more. And it's this progression of connecting with, with the Father. Even if you don't know, like, God, I don't even know if I believe in you, but if you're there, I'd like to talk to you. Or some of us who've been a little more walking with God, it's like, man, God, I know I always have a lot to say. What do you have to say? And we open these things up with, 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 with gratitude and just asking God to, to, touch, to touch our souls. When we were taking Bella to surgery um, last week and, you know, leading up to it a few days for her knee, man, we were a lot of prayer going into that. And, and, and uh, people were praying, and we're going to the, taking her to the hospital, and I've got, you know, worship music on in the car. And, you know, we're praying right before she gets out of the car. You know, I pray for her again, and then we're, I mean, it's just, it's, we're just in tune with what's happening, and we're just asking God to keep her safe and for wisdom and for, and for comfort. And she comes out, and um, it was kind of crazy when I, I was out picking up some uh, prescription, I guess, for her, and she hadn't come, come out of surgery yet. And I walk into the room, and I see the doctor sitting with Amy, sitting down. 
And he didn't look happy and it looked really serious. And like for a nanosecond in my heart, I mean, it was, everything just went wrong. You know, and I think we've had those moments. If you have, you know, little kids sometimes when they disappear for a split second behind you, like they're right behind you, but like, oh my gosh, they're gone, this is happening, they're kidnapped, right? And I felt like, oh, I can't believe it, this is, this is happening and she's not coming out. And, and I, you know, get there and he's just, a, he's just a serious guy and it was fine, but I was like, dude, you should smile or something. Because it was scary. And I was like, man, I was scared. And we get in the car, and, and she gets through, and long story medium, we get back to the, the car, we get her in, and we're, we're going home, or, and uh, we're talking, and you okay? And we're starting to make jokes, and I'm like, you know, hey, what are we going to do for lunch? And, and you know what I didn't do? Stop right there and thank God. I didn't stop and pray with our family. Like, you know what, let's just stop for a second before we do everything else, because there's other stuff to do. Man, thank you, God, for getting her through the surgery. And I have since, right? I'm like, oh, sorry, I missed that one. But I missed that one. Because I'm so geared up ahead of time when there's crisis on the horizon, right? When there's crisis in your life, and you're about God. But, but how often when we get past that do we forget? I don't think Jesus forgot. Everything that happened, he's like, oh, man, that was awesome. I'm going to go talk to God again and thank him for that one. And almost like it was going to happen, and it happened multiple times. Every time, I got to go back up to check in with God. And he modeled that prayer, our Father out in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like he's like, I'm going to go, thank God, worship God again. And that's a check-in for us. And I know for me, like I just knew, knew that moment, like, oh, man, I've been praying about this and, and agonizing about it. And then it happened, and I don't say anything. Because there's this sort of rhythm, though, that we want to instill in our lives that that just becomes the norm before, after, in the middle. Proverbs 18, 14 says, a healthy spirit conquers adversity, but what can you do when the spirit is crushed? And it really speaks to when our souls are weak, when our spirit is down, it's like you can't do anything well. You, some of us know what that feels like. Like it doesn't matter. We want to keep that thing healthy. And I'm not saying your life's going to be magical as the more time you get away with God, but I think it will change. I think your soul will be healthy. Dallas Willard also says this, I love this, prayer is talking to God about what we are doing together. Because God is at work and alive in our lives and around you and in you and through you. And it's kind of like, God, what, so what are we doing with this today? What's happening with me today again? Inviting God into that process and having dialogue with him. Here's what's going on in my life. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm, I have fear, I'm scared, I'm happy, I'm joyful, I have doubt. I don't believe in you anymore, but... Let's figure that out. It's this conversation about what's happening. And the more, the more we pray, the more we think to pray. The more we pray, the more we think to pray. If you don't pray that often, you're not going to think to pray that often. This is the classic, right, exercise, surfing. The more I surf, the more I think I want to go surfing. The less I surf, the less I think I want to go. You forget about it. Right? I don't, whatever that is in your life, those things that you really enjoy, then you forget to do. Man, when I read, I love to read, and then I don't do it, I don't think about it. The more you pray, the more you'll think to pray. And that will rejuvenate your soul, that will awaken your soul. Your soul will, will long for God in that way. You'll be more ready when bad things happen, when good things happen. But it takes intentionality. I'm going to have Noah come up, we're going to close out. And, 
And that's really one thing today. And not even read all the passages, but if you think one thing, right? All this stuff happened, but yet Jesus withdrew to a solitary place to pray. He withdrew, and if, if Jesus did that, and many of us, if we're in the church, we're trying to model Jesus, that's part of our goal. How do we be like Jesus? And there's things that he, other things he does that we're learning from, how we treat one another and, and the poor. But this isn't one passing scripture that he got away. Repetitive throughout all the gospels, Jesus withdrew to the Father to pray. This is a core practice. And you don't have to know how to do it. We'll learn to do it together. You can be scared to do it. Man, God, I'm just going to take a break. Everybody needs you. You know what? You'll be, they'll be fine. Everyone needs me. You know what? They don't right now. You'll be okay. Take those moments of pause, your backyard, your, your house, a road trip, a hike, five minutes, five hours, a day, and begin to get into the rhythm of our own soul care as you would your body or your mind. Father, thank you for this morning, for this crew. Um, thank you for your grace, God, that we do not have to do anything perfect, and we never will. Uh, thank you for being relational. Thank you for being aware of us. I just pray for all of us right now, Lord, that we would be people whose souls long for you. And wherever you're at today, whether you're still curious or not curious or been walking with God, I pray for some fresh, just a fresh breath of life. I pray we know when it's okay to, to hit pause and to spend time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.